0: Welcome to Oak City Church, a family of learners, lovers, and givers sent. For more information, visit us online at oakcitychurch.com. Let us know if we can help you in any way. Thank you for listening. Hey, good morning. I uh, Just a quick note on the VBS. Um, man, think for a second if there's some family in your neighborhood, some kids in your neighborhood that you think they might, they might enjoy that. Or even if you have family who's, you know, this is going to sound bad, but whose parents might think, yeah, I wouldn't like my kid not to be here for, you know what I mean? Like the little break, like just seem overwhelmed. And I say that because over the years, I didn't grow up with VBS. Um, it, it wasn't quite a thing up in Wisconsin the way that it is in the South, I don't think. And I know it's not. As popular as it used to be, but man, I don't know how many people I've met over the years that said my parents didn't take me to church, but someone else did, and they heard about Jesus and it changed their life. And so um, I just I would I would urge you to consider that uh, this week and thinking about VBS. All right, we I said this last week that we um, having not had regular service for a year gave us the time to evaluate some things about how we do the service and and uh, the. You know, some and really liturgy, which is kind of the big church word for how you order your service. It's not a scary word. It's just the intentionality with which you you approach the Lord together. And so, one of those things um, was a church tradition of. And this comes from Nehemiah uh, where the, the the people of God are coming out of exile and they stand to read the word of the Lord they end up weeping they realize how much they forgot it and so last week I had you stand and I read the word and we read some of it together and um and at the end of it I said the reader says this is the word of the Lord and the church responds thanks be to God and and the reason for doing that and I think I'm burdened for it now because we're just in a time where I think I think it's rel- it's obvious that we think we're smarter than God and so we're not really looking for God's word to direct us. And so I think it's really important for us as a church to recognize that he's given it to us um, and to value it. So we're going to do that again. We're going to do a little bit differently. Part of it, I'm going to read the first two paragraphs. You're going to read the third paragraph. There are some y'alls in the third paragraph because John put me onto something this week called y'all version. It's like a website. It's a it's not really technically a version of the Bible but it takes all the plural you's and makes them y'alls. Or you can click a box for Pittsburgh. You know how they say y'all in Pittsburgh? Yins, right. And in the Midwest, it's you guys. And so that's where I'm from. So we'll do that some weeks. So there's y'all. So just know that's coming. And then at the end, because I said, this is the word of the Lord, and you guys said, thanks be to God, because that's how we do say things together. But we should be more enthusiastic that God, like grateful that God's given us this word. So I'm going to say, this is the word of the Lord, and you are going to cheer. We got it? Like, I know it's a little, out of the box, a little cheesy, but we're going to do it because we're thankful that God gave us his word. So you guys stand. I'll read the first part of this. I'll tell you when we're reading together, and then we'll do the thing. Okay, Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Jesus and for Jesus. And Jesus is before all things, and in Jesus all things hold together. And Jesus is the head of the body, the church. Jesus is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything Jesus might be preeminent. For in Jesus all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through Jesus to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. All right, so this is the part we're going to read together. Ready? Ready? You're ready. That's not ready. Okay, ready. Okay. And y'all, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present y'all holy and blameless and above reproach before him. This is the word of the Lord. Oh, yes! Okay, you guys can have a seat. That was awesome. That was awesome. And I know that's what you meant last week. It's just hard to do that when everybody's re- saying something together. So we're in this series, um, Why We need the Church More Than Ever. It's really after having been out for a year, um, recognizing some things that only the church is going to do uh, for us and encourage us towards. Last week was forgetting what's behind, what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead and taking a moment to lament you know, some things that have gone on last year, some things to be grateful for, but really to turn us towards what God has ahead of us. The coming weeks are about some unique exclusive roles that the church has in our lives in terms of like, you know, coaching us upward and to, to orient our lives around God, to worship and, and inward and, and the relationships that we have through the church that no other um, entity is going to encourage the uniqueness of those relationships and then the mission that God's called us on. But this week, I want to talk about prayer. And I want to talk about prayer because I've said this a whole bunch of times over the past few years that if I were um, going to start a church again, the first thing that I would do differently is pray more uh, strategically. And so um, I felt burdened to, to talk about that. Now, prayer, um, we we prayed. Everybody prays. Prayer is intuitive. So let me talk about prayer for just a second. Uh, let me ask you this. What percentage of people in your life do you think are serious about God? Like, or serious about their relationship with God? You know, and maybe that can include church people, but maybe maybe if you just looked at, like, your neighbors, your, your classmates, your coworkers, your friends, what percentage of people do you think are serious about God? Fifty? High, low? Five? Okay. Okay, I'm going to ask some questions today, so let's just be ready. Okay. Uh, um, wh- and then what percentage of people pray? So in the last three months, 80% of adult Americans say they prayed. 80. What percentage of people do you think pray every day? 50% of adult Americans say they pray every day. Prayer is like an intuitive thing. You know, there's the saying, there's no atheists in foxholes. There's this one. Um, as long as there are tests in school, um, there will be prayer. As long as there are tests, there will be prayer in public schools. Someone sent me this one this week. I'd never heard this before. Everyone's an atheist until they clog the toilet in another person's house. <laughs> That's just some truth right there, right? Um, I found this about what we pray for. I hope you can see this. So This is stuff about what people, people who mistreat you and your enemies were about 40%. That's pretty good. Winning the lottery was 21%. <laughs> That was, I thought that's probably low, but then I thought not everybody plays the lottery. So I looked this up. This is what you pay me for. 50 to 60% of people buy lottery tickets and 20%. So that's a little bit higher of people that, oh, I need that back. Uh, success in something you put almost no effort into. <laughs> that's just funny, y'all. 20%. Uh, no one to find out a bad thing you've done. God to avenge somebody. Your favorite team to win again, 13%. That's low. Bad things to happen to a bad person. Finding a good parking spot. I think that's low too, not to get caught speeding success in something you knew wouldn't please God. Someone to get fired, this was really interesting because they went deeper on that one. They said, for people that make over $150,000 a year, 20% of them have prayed for somebody to get fired. And if you've made less than $30,000 a year, 1% of, of folks have prayed for someone to get fired. They call it the empathy gap. I just thought it was just really interesting. We pray, right? I mean, we're just, like, it's a natural thing for people to pray. If you think about, if you had to grade your prayer life, A, B, C, D, F, all right? And I want an answer. I want hands up. And and this is a no judgment zone. I'm just asking a question here. It's okay. But if you prayed, like, enough or in this quality and quantity, you know, enough and in the way that you ought to, And if you get an A and you think it's an A, please let us know. It's not obnoxious for you to let us know. We really could use a couple A's. But how many would grade your prayer life as an A? B. Oh, excellent. All right, we got an A. B. Sweet. Thank you. C. That's good. Okay. Um, I'm going to, as your pastor, as your pastor, I grade myself probably C minus D plus. That's why we're talking about this. My apologies. My confession. D. F. Right. Um, Not many of us think our prayer life is what it should be. Is the problem that we don't know how to pray? Probably not. Is the problem that we don't know that we ought to pray? Probably not. Um, So what's the problem? And I think we have trouble with prayer because we, we either don't believe that prayer works or we don't believe that we need it. We believe that we're more capable alone than we are with the benefit of prayer. And so I'd say this, we have trouble with prayer because we think too much of ourselves and too little of God. And this passage gets to Jesus is the creator and sustainer of all things. And if you have problems, which you do, he has solutions and he's the one we should be going to. Uh, so I'm going to talk about prayer, but I'm going to talk about prayer by talking about Jesus, and the reason I'm going to do that is because sometimes some things come at you sideways, and it was a couple months ago, I think it was Easter actually, and it was after I was, had preached, and sometimes this happens, something just came in from left field, that had nothing to do with anything that was going on that day, but I felt like God said, hey Jeff, You remember that verse in Colossians where it says that all things were created by Jesus and all things were created through Jesus and all things were created for Jesus. And I'm like, yeah, God, I think I remember that verse. And he said, well, that includes you. You're in all things. And that that includes this church. By, through, for. And so if, if you have concerns about this church, Jeff, you need to spend more time talking to Jesus about it and less time worrying about it. Uh, and that's how we got here. Now, let me say a word about prayer. Prayer is not just asking God for stuff. You know, there is intercessory prayer where we're asking God to intercede into circumstances on our behalf. But there's also abiding prayer where we just spend time with God. And sometimes the lines in those things, you don't know what you're going to get when you pray, you know. Um, but prayer, someone has said prayer isn't so much about change, you changing God's mind, but God change, letting, giving God space to change you. To change your mind, but to change you. One pastor wrote, sometimes the purpose of prayer is to get us out of circumstances, but more often than not, the purpose of prayer is to get us through circumstances. I'm not suggesting we shouldn't pray deliverance prayers. We should, but there are times we need to pray prevailing prayers, to ask God to give us the grace to sustain, the strength to stand firm, and the willpower to keep on keeping on. And my guess is that you need help with both those things. I know I need help with both those things. We think at some level that we think we can control our circumstances better than God or prevail in the midst of our circumstances alone better than we can with God in the presence of God through prayer. And so the question is the extent to which I really believe prayer can deliver me from or can help me prevail through circumstances in my life and your life regarding my family my finances my job my future my past my heart my dreams my anxiety my sin whatever it might be now this passage is to the church in Colossae. they're dealing with some cultural pressures that are tempting them to turn away from jesus and so paul's writing a letter to encourage them but really he starts by challenging them to a higher devotion. To Jesus and starts, you know, these words are in this passage. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. Jesus is the firstborn of all creation. Jesus is before all things, and in Jesus all things hold together. Jesus is the beginning. He is the firstborn from the dead, that in everything Jesus might be preeminent, for in Jesus all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. This is written um, sometime in the 60s, this is pr- about 30 years after Jesus walked to the earth, dies, died, rose from the dead. And, um, I, and one of the benefits, I'm, now, I'm, I'm getting a little bit older, I can remember things that happened 30 years ago now that were significant. So 30 years ago, I was in college, really significant things happened while I was in college. I wasn't paying a lot of attention to them, but really significant things. So my freshman year, I think, was when the Berlin Wall fell. That was enormous like no one thought that was going to happen mandela got released from um, prison after 20 or 30 years my freshman year in college the soviet union dissolved while i was in college buster douglas beat mike tyson while i was in college it's huge i remember watching that the the guy in tiananmen square that like stared down the tanks you remember that guy Like, that happened when I was in college. The Gulf War started when I was in college, the first one. And I remember being with a group of guys in a room, watching on TV, Wolf Bletcher talking to Bernard Shaw as cruise missiles are coming over their hotel and bombing back. All this stuff happened. Thirty years ago like we remember stuff that happened 30 years ago we remember it well no historian no reputable historian now debates that Jesus lived but we debate the the meaning of Jesus life and at this point when Paul writes this letter Jesus is the life of Jesus is starting to turn the whole world upside down right but it's not because Jesus and today we it's so easy for even for us to, because it's so much more accessible for Jesus to be a teacher to be a friend to be a prophet. And and for the culture around us, we can't deny Jesus. We can't deny he was great, so we put him in that bucket. Paul isn't saying that. That's not the teaching that turned the world upside down. Paul isn't saying, hey, remember the Sermon on the Mount? That was a great sermon. He's a great... He wasn't saying that. He's saying... He is before all things. All things were created through Jesus. This is who Jesus is. Jesus can change everything because this is true about Jesus, and that's the thing that need, that's turning the world upside down. And what we need to remember uh, in Hebrews was probably Paul writes this too. Long ago, in many times, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers through the prophets. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed to be the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world through Jesus. Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of the nature of God. You look at Jesus and you know what God's like because he's the exact imprint of his nature. And then he says, Jesus upholds the universe by the word of his power. And he walked around in sandals for 30 years. Like, he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Uh, No one's saying that 30 years on about Nelson Mandela or Gorbachev or some people are probably saying that about Reagan somewhere. You know what I mean? But like Reagan or Buster Douglas. No one. By him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him, and they were created for him. That by him, I read one commentator say it's it's sometimes translated, in him all things were created. And it's leaning back to Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth because Jesus is the beginning in which all things are created. It's not just time, it's more than that. And Jesus is that beginning. Genesis says, the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God spoke and said, let there be light, and there was light. All things were created through Jesus. John, uh, the God in the Gospel of John, the Apostle John says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so theologians interpret this as he was the thing when God spoke and said, let there be light, like this was the Word. Jesus was the agency through which... All things were created. Jesus. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. Without him was not any single thing made that was made. In him was life. The life was the light of man. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not, will not, cannot overcome it. And then John says the Word became flesh. And dwelt among us. I'm I preach about Jesus every single week, and I come to this passage and I'm just convicted that He's so much more than I grasp in my day-to-day life. And it's hard. It's hard to comprehend it and to live in it. Uh, When John writes this. He's writing to the Jewish people, obviously, but he's also writing to non-Jewish people. And that day there's Israelites and then there's Gentiles in the Bible, non-Jewish people. They're domin- it's dominated by Greek thought in that part of the world in that time. Um, the Intellectual, you know, um, influence of the Greeks is, is all over. And the, so the word that he uses in Greek is logos. The word for word is logos, from which we get logic. But it has like a several hundred year long like Trek with logic, where the Greeks, you know, they had all the gods over nature that we learned about in middle school. And they even realized, well, we have some control over nature now, so maybe it's not those gods. Maybe there's something over those gods, like a meta-narrative that holds that whole thing together. And they started to talk about that in terms of the logos, the thing that holds all the things together. And they wrapped their philosophy and they wrapped their ethics up into that. One author said the Greeks were trying to figure out what the absolute truth or reality that we were made for as a fish is made for water, and they called it the Logos. And so when John is writing to both the Jews and the Greeks, he says, in the beginning was the Logos, and the Logos was with God, and the Logos was God. And the Logos became flesh and dwelt among us, and his name was Jesus. And he's saying to the whole world, this is the thing that you were made for. And by him, all things were created in heaven on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And so all things in heaven on earth, visible, invisible, flowers and trees and children and dogs, cats even, snakes, hippopotamuses, flowers, sunsets and the sun that sets and the moon, and two trillion galaxies worth of stars and invisible, love and wonder and justice, and joy, peace, patience, bliss. All of it was created by Jesus, for Jesus. Uh, the thrones, dominions, rulers, and authorities is probably a reference to the specific teaching that they're they're fighting against in that town. Um, Paul later in the letter references, you know, don't worship angels; worship the thing that created the angels, which is Jesus. Um, and so, in that, all things is it, it, this church, you know. Uh, And that's the thing specifically that God was and is and and does convict me of. The church was created by Jesus and through Jesus and for Jesus. If I'm honest, looking back, I I am confident it was Jesus' idea to start the church, or I wouldn't have done it. Um, But when I look back, I think, I don't know that we were, we were certainly not praying and depending on God in the ways that, that I would do now. And the church might have been created by us um and through us and a little bit for us more than than we'd like to admit and honest the guy that um that was pastoring with me when he started the church Jason is now back at the church that we came from and we talked about this this week <laughs> I told him that and told him I was preaching this verse because the church that we came from is really going through it right now and they need to hear this as much as anybody does that that church was created by Jesus and through Jesus and for Jesus and every church needs to hear this you know and it's not that we didn't pray I just don't that we had we 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 prayed, we had, we've had prayer nights and prayer vigils and prayer meetings and pray before services, but I don't think in a way that expresses the dependence that this verse um, demands. And the church was created through Jesus. Jesus is the reason you're here right now. I think that every week you're here because Jesus wants you here right now. Um, I've said this the last few weeks in different gatherings and in different conversations. We've had a part of what I want coming out of COVID after a year of not being gathered together is in, in kind of regathering, feeling like we're restarting a church in some ways is that the last few years, maybe longer, it's felt like people that are newer to the church feel like they're on the outside of something and the people that have been here for longer are on the inside of something. There's no inside and there's no outside. <laughs> there's just Oak City Church and it's created through Jesus right now it's not a group of people that planted a church 10 or 15 years ago Oak City Church is the group of people that are gathered now that are in now on the mission that God has called this church to that is Oak City Church if you're here for the first time you are Oak City Church if this is the church that God's called you to no inside no outside we got to get rid of that and I'll do everything I can to do that in order to move forward And the church was created for Jesus. It's the body of Christ, the manifest presence of God in the world to help people come to know Jesus, to love Jesus, to follow Jesus. Now you were created by Jesus. Your body is a living, breathing, walking, talking miracle of the work of Jesus. I was reading this about DNA this week. Like the precisely arranged zeros and ones in a computer program, the chemical bases in DNA convey instructions by virtue of their specific arrangement and in accord with an independent convention known as the genetic code. Thus, biologist Richard Dawkins, who might be the most famous atheist in the world, notes that the machine code of the genes is uncannily computer-like. Similarly, Bill Gates observes that DNA is like a computer program, but far, far more advanced than any software we've ever created. You are a miracle. You were created by Jesus. You were created through Jesus. In one place in the Psalms, it says that he knit you together in your mother's womb. In Ephesians, Paul writes, Blessed be God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. Before the foundation of the world, he knew you. That's insane. Like, that's crazy to think about. You were created through Jesus, and you were created for Jesus. You were made for God. I thought about this the last few weeks and had a few conversations with people, how in this day, I feel like that that probably comes across as oppressive, that you were created for something other than you and like your own satisfaction of whatever it is that you want. Um, But you were created for Jesus, And until you surrender to him in that reality, uh, you are going to be beating your head against a wall in life because it doesn't work unless we are living for him the way that we were created to. I started reading this book um, a few weeks ago. I've hesitated because it's so big and it's so thick. I've highlighted like a third of it. I don't even like highlighting stuff that much, but it's so good. It's called The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self. And he is um, explaining, like, how we have gotten to the cultural moment that we've gotten to. One of the things he does is goes back and says, you know, hundreds of years ago, we identified as political people, political man, like, in our, in our relationship to the state, and then religious man in our relationship to the church, and then economic man. But now, he said, in the last decades, we've become psychological man. And so we, ad- we form our identity based on what we feel and what we desire coming out of us and to suppress that to suggest that you should suppress that comes across as abusive in our society like paul says they're fighting in Colossae against some you know cultural trends and the the answer is to magnify jesus and it's no different now um and he's saying this like the stuff around you doesn't exist to satisfy you and help you find yourself you exist for the god who made all the stuff around you you and all of it uh i think you i think you trace this whole thing back to the beginning of the bible and god in the garden of eden saying to adam and eve hey there's a tree in the middle it's the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil don't eat from it it's there like you the ability to eat don't do it because it leads to death um and then satan comes in and says uh he says um surely you won't die for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. And what the adversary is saying is that God is oppressing you by restricting you. He's oppressing you. It is the same exact lie. It always has been. It always will be. It's part of the reason that I believe the whole thing is true and the Bible is true is because it's, no one could make that up, like it's genius to be applicable for all time for us because God knows us. We were created for Him. Do the things that Jesus exi- created exist for your purposes or do you exist for the purposes of the Jesus who created all things? You got to spend some time thinking about how you approach the things around you. Are you made for God or is God made for you? You know, is part of our problem with prayer is that we're afraid he's going to tell us to do some things that we don't really want to do <laughs> and that we exist for them and not they exist for us. And you think about that, and everything we have, everything we do, everyone we relate to becomes really an opportunity to serve us or an opportunity to serve him by serving them, whether that be our jobs, our possessions, our, our hobbies, our spouses our kids um we were doing the, a bible reading plan together and a couple weeks ago susan and it was responding to i think philippians 2 um have this attitude in yourselves that was in christ jesus who you know though he was in very nature god didn't consider equality with god something to be grasped but emptied himself and became nothing took on the form of a servant she said what in the comments what if instead of comparing ourselves to each other by like our accomplishments or our acquisitions, we compared ourselves to each other, like not just in the church, but in the world, about the, the way in which we serve the people around us. I thought, man, that would like flip everything upside down, and surely that's what heaven's going to be like, although I don't think anybody's going to compare anybody to anybody in heaven, you know? But those are the rules of the kingdom. And um, in America, we have... Um, as much chance as anyone in history has to convince ourselves that uh, that we don't need God, that we don't exist for Him, but all the things that He created exist for us. There's a quote from C.S. Lewis. He says, "The wise men of old, for the wise men of old, the cardinal problem of human life was how to conform the soul to objective reality, and the solution was wisdom, self-discipline, and virtue. For the modern, the cardinal problem is how to conform reality to the wishes of man, and the solution is a technique." And there's just a depth to that we are financially and materially rich but emotionally and relationally and spiritually i feel like growing poorer by the day now that paul goes on in this in him all the fullness of god was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things whether on earth or in heaven making peace by the blood of his cross and y'all who were once alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds he's now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present Y'all, holy and blameless and above reproach before him. He has, all the things that we have made a mess of, including ourselves, he has reconciled to himself. He's made peace by the blood of his cross. Because that Jesus, by whom and through whom and for whom, all things are created has a a love that's beyond what we could comprehend for each one of us. To the extent to which we grasp this, we orient ourselves to this, we understand it, we dwell on it, it has to change us. It has to change us. And so, again, what I said in the beginning, we have trouble with prayer because we think too much of ourselves and too little of God. You can't spend time in this passage and think too little of God. Uh, He is the creator and sustainer of all things, and he has solutions uh, for every one of our problems. I, was re- I thought of this quote this week, if you want to build a ship, don't drum up people to collect wood and don't assign them tasks and work, but rather teach them to long for the endless immensity of the sea. And I think that about prayer. We understand the magnitude of Jesus and who Jesus is and what Jesus has done and the love that he has for us. We will be drawn to him and we will pray One commentator said, Paul knows that true and ultimate devotion to Jesus doesn't come primarily from being commanded, but rather from being enraptured by the beauty and the profound love of Jesus. And that's how we're motivated to act. Um, And my dentist said to one of my kids recently, only brush the ones you want to keep. You know, you don't need the toothbrush with a little buzzer on it or anything like that. What you need is to know you're going to lose your teeth if you don't brush them better. (laughs) Uh, I got like probably real serious about my health and my diet when i had open heart surgery 15 years ago and he said you're gonna have to do this again in in around 20 years and i thought that'll be right about the time i want to walk my daughter down the aisle so i'm going to stay in real good shape to make sure that happens right that's how we're motivated jesus is the one by whom through whom for whom all things were created before all things in him all things are preeminent he holds all things together he knows all of it so what this means for us as a church and how we pray, um, it, it has driven us, is driving us to pray better, the, and so the, um, the band can come back up here, and I'm going to wind this up, but um, we have these response cards, these connect cards, that for a long time, many years, were like, we want to connect with you, and, um, and if you're new, and so fill out the thing, which is still true, but really, we want to connect with you through your prayer requests, and we want you to connect with God and so you know in the next few minutes you take those out and and they have a chance for praises and for prayer requests and part of that is just to make to give you a few minutes and challenge you to articulate the things that you need prayer for and the things that you need to be grateful for and you could take those home with you or you could fold them up put them in the box we would love to be praying with you throughout the week and so that's something we started doing um pre-covid We're going to do better about having times of corporate prayer, strategic prayer during service. We have always had services that are focused on prayer. The last few years, we've been better about that. We're going to start sending out strategic prayer requests after staff meetings and elder meetings. Um, If Oak City is your church, we've got you on an email list, and we'll send it out to you that just says, here's how you can pray for Oak City Church this week. Because we want to be more strategic in the things that we're praying for, we have an app that we're getting ready to release that has some functionality Um, related to prayer. So we're going to give you just a a minute or two to to quietly before the Lord pray. And um, that may be a time of um, confession for your prayerlessness, you know, Um, asking God for help with your distraction. Um, Confession for making the things Jesus created to be something for you instead of you being something for for him. Uh, and I'm after, um, after a minute or two of that silence, I would ask that that one, two, three of you just pray out loud for us as a church. And then at, during these last um, two songs, we would invite you to uh, to come up and take communion. He has um, reconciled us in his body, flesh, by his death. Uh, he's made peace by the blood of his cross. And and so the way that we're doing that right now is we have these. Um, and I want to get done with this as soon as we can because last week it was really frustrating to try and do this. But it's worth it, okay, to remember what Jesus has done for us. And so this is his body that's been broken for us and his blood that's been poured out for us. And during these last few songs, we invite you um, to come up and to, um, to take one of these back to your seat and to uh, remember what Christ has, has done for us. So why don't you right now just take a minute and, and pray. Could I ask that one or two of you would pray for us as a church out loud? Father, may you give us a greater understanding of who you are than we walked in with this morning. May we be amazed by you. Just blown away by who you are. The love that you have for us. The power that you have Lord may we be drawn to you may our hearts explode for you may we surrender to you may we trust you in everything pray this in Jesus name